When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, this is Behind the Steel Curtain Editor Dave Schofield coming at you again on Thursday morning. This is Steeler Stat Geek. That is right. Oh, my goodness. It is in regular season mode. Wow. This is really into it. I, I can't believe that we're here. I say it every week, but you know what? It, it's it's true. That's why I say it. Um we're not only are we previewing a game coming up, we have a game that just happened to talk about. This is how it works. This is how it goes. And I'm like, wow, we're going to start to get in a routine. Yeah, next week we'll still be doing the same thing, but it's going to be on a game day. My goodness. Can't believe that. That uh, next week is already where it gets things get crazy, where the Steelers have to go on a short week. But you know what? Get it over with early in the season. Then you don't have to worry about it again for a long time. Man, lots of stuff to talk about from this game. There's the whole TJ Watt situation. It looked really, really bad. It's still bad. But it's it, it's one of those things. It's it's one of those things that if you – I'm trying to think of a, of, of a good example. It's like when you when you feel – when you're worried that you lost your wallet and you lost all your cash – all your credit cards, all your important information. And then you find your wallet and you have everything in there except the person who who, who picked it up and set it up on, on, the, on a table or something from the floor decided to help themselves to the cash. Well, you get your wallet back for the most part. You're down the cash, but man, it's not nearly as bad as it could have been. You're not having to scramble for a bunch of stuff. Uh, you're not going to have to go get a new driver's license, all that other stuff. That's kind of how the TJ Watt situation feels. It was It was all gone. So now getting some back or even most back seems like it's a huge victory. Seems like it's a huge victory, even though the Steelers are going to be without the reigning defensive player of the year for what is believed to be about six weeks, could be a little bit more. I mean, there's a possibility of it being less, but I'll be honest with you. I'm not, I don't want TJ Watt back early if it means he's not going to be full TJ Watt. We saw that last year when TJ Watt was not himself. When TJ Watt was not himself, really impacted the game it was it was almost as bad not i'll say almost the results ended up being not very dissimilar okay i've i've used too many negatives there the results weren't all that off from when he wasn't there at all so that's something to keep in mind that you want a healthy tj watt coming back and you're hoping when he comes back he is healthy would not be surprised at all if he ends up having an off-season surgery maybe he doesn't need that after all if the rehab does everything great then it's just not going to be a temporary thing there's a lot of things that we don't know right now and we might not know for a while but at least it's there there's hope there's some hope there 
So, so we have that situation going on. Uh, looks like other people are going to be available. Perhaps Najee Harris thinks he's going to be available um, for Sunday. Uh, Coach Tomlin's pumping the brakes a little bit. You know, you want to make sure that everything's good to go with the running back, all those kind of things. Let's dive into numbers. I'm three and a half minutes in, and I haven't been able to just regurgitate numbers for you like the way I I want to. I'm going to bring up some. I'm going to go in-depth into a few other things, and then I'm going to break down some numbers of some certain situations going that happened in week one, you know, kind of, kind of look at, wait a second, let's look at the numbers in this given spot and understand what this was really meant, what the options were, things of that nature. So here we are, some numbers to go by. Ooh, okay. We'll, we'll get into like the, I'll get into some rushing stats in the second half because I'm not going to do the normal, Hey, where do they rank in the NFL? It's been one week. It's been one week, but I am going to look at the numbers that, that the Steelers and Patriots put up in week one to kind of see which, you know, where they are. And you'll know for week two, is it going to be a trend? I, I say this year after year, week two puts week one in context. It's just what it does. It, wins that look like big wins might not seem like that big of wins after week two. With losses that look like bad losses for teams might not look like that bad of losses. For example, just going to put this randomly out there. If the Steelers come out and just beat down the New England Patriots at Acrosure Stadium on Sunday, you know what that does? That makes Cincinnati's loss not look so bad. Meaning for them to have lost that game to the Steelers to not look so bad. I mean, I use the Steelers as an example, but that's kind of what I mean. You might have a team that you're like, oh man, uh, Oh, the, the poor Titans. They, they lost, they lost a squeaker to the Giants. Well, the Giants, I don't even know who they play this week, in all honesty. But if the Giants come out this week and just crush somebody, it's going to make the Titans loss not seem that bad of a loss. And there were a lot of interesting losses. Lost more than half the people out of the survivor pool. Out of 435 entries, we lost, I can't remember how many we lost. But I know we have 181 remaining. I know it's 41.6% remaining. Um, I should be able to do that math quick in my head, but right now the number that's sticking out in my head is three because only three people didn't answer, didn't fill out their choice. So that's actually really good. There was just that many upsets. So that's what's going to happen. And we're going to look at that in the second half, some stuff with the Steelers and Patriots. So let me dive more into these numbers. The big one is the five, you know, the plus five in the, in the turnover margin, you know, five takeaways for the Steelers did not turn the ball over at all. Those were big numbers. We know those kind of numbers. We know this. We know the six points. Although I guess you could attribute the extra point to them that the Steelers scored on defense with the Mika Fitzpatrick, who was who was selected as the AFC Defensive Player of the Week, as I expected him to be. Um, the Steelers had seven sacks. That means they are currently tied for the NFL lead with the Buffalo Bills. Both of those teams had seven sacks this week. Um, but then there was the the not so good stuff, like the Steelers. They came up shy in the first down department by 19 in this game. The Bengals had 32 first downs, while the Steelers only had 13. Yikes. Yikes. I mean, that's that, that's two and a half times more. 
That's that's a little bit yeah. The time of possession, of course, because of those first downs, way off. You don't now granted, remember, it's his overtime and it went the whole overtime. There was there maybe one second left on the clock. I don't think there was after the Boz field goal because it was from such a long distance. There was five seconds of the clock when when they snapped the ball. So I'm assuming assuming it went to zeros. Uh, no one really cared because it went through and it didn't matter. But I mean, my goodness, 43 minutes and 43 seconds. Even if let's let's say Cincinnati possessed the ball for 10 minutes, the all 10 minutes of overtime. Even if you took that away and took all 10 minutes away from Cincinnati, they still win the time of possession. It's crazy. They won it by over 17 minutes, 17 minutes and 26 seconds to be, to be exact. Um, so, but the big thing is the Steelers got the win. I did some breakdown of first downs. I went back and I charted the the, the distance of every first down play by both the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cincinnati Bengals. Meaning, it, I'm not talking the first play of each drive. I'm talking every time there was a first down. You know, as soon as a team gets a first down, what what did they run on first and ten? or if it was first and goal, or if there was a penalty, it was first and 15. Things of that nature. And shockingly, the Pittsburgh Steelers won first down. The Steelers' offense gained more yards on first down per play than the Cincinnati Bengals did per play. So that's good for the offense, bad for the defense. Now, the problem with that is is when you look at it, because I broke it down for the Steelers. I went first half, second half, overtime. And here's some some of the good and some of the bad, just to give you how it kind of all goes with the data. When you looked at the first half, the Steelers gained gained 50 yards on eight plays on first down. You're like, wow, that's pretty good. The problem is only two of those eight plays were for more than three yards. Two. They had the 31-yarder. That was the flea flicker to Pat Fairmuth. They had a nine-yarder in there. I don't remember all exactly what all these plays are. So, yeah, so it looks good that they gained six and a quarter yards on first down. The problem is they only gained more than three yards twice. So they were only two of eight where they gained more than three yards. They had two other ones where they gained three yards, two other where they gained two, and two where they didn't gain anything. I didn't know, I didn't know which ones were like runs for nothing versus which ones were incompletions. In the second half – Well, okay, sorry. What that total, I think I said it was six and a quarter yards um, on first down. So that looked pretty good. The problem was the second half offense for the Steelers. On nine first down plays, they gained a total of 10 yards. Okay, listen to me. On nine first down plays, they gained a total of 10 yards. They had one play that went for more than three yards, and it went for 11 yards. They had one play that went for 11 yards. Everything else was three or under. You're like, well, wait, wait a second. They only get that's because of the ne- negative yards. They had three plays in the second half where they gained negative yardage on first down. They had a negative four, a negative two, and a negative two. That's the first down plays. So that came to 1.11 yards per first down. That's not good. But then they redeemed themselves in overtime. They were seven plays for 39 yards. They had 5.57 yards per first down. And the big thing was that they had two of their seven were for more than 
for not only more than three yards, they were for they were for more than ten. They had the they had a twenty five yarder and a twelve yarder on first down in overtime. But other than that, other than those two, they had one one positive play for two yards. They had their last four first downs were all were all zero. And I'm pretty sure it's because you know they were trying to move the ball those last two drives um, that they were incompletions. At least I know most of them were, um, and one of at least one of them was spiking the ball. I, I will say that. Um, I'm because yeah, there, there was one in overtime where they where they spiked the ball. So in all, the Steelers gained 99 yards on first down on 24 first down attempts. That was four and an eighth because it was 4.125 yards on first down. When you're getting, I mean, to me, ultimately, if you can get five yards on first down, you're doing a really good job. And the Steelers did that in the first half and in overtime on average. The problem is, here's how they broke down. Of those 24 plays, three of them were negative. Eight of them were for zero yards. But remember, half of those came in overtime. Half of those eight. Okay. And five were for, were for only one or two yards. Everything else was there. They were really feast or famine with it, though. You know, other than if you look at the plays over three yards, there was two in the first half, a nine and a 31, one in the second half, an 11, and two in overtime of a 25 and a 12. That's it. They did not gain this. This is kind of important to think about moving forward. They did not gain between four and eight yards on a first down play. That's kind of in the sweet spot. You kind of want to get five yards on first down. So the fact that you never hit exactly, you know, six is okay. But, I mean, you didn't have anything in that range. It was either nine or more or three or less. So remember that going forward. Now, look at it from a defensive perspective to compare it to Cincinnati real quick. Cincinnati in the first half, they ran 17 first down plays. Yeah, that's a lot more. Uh, than the Steelers did, more than double. They went for 58 yards, so only eight more yards on more than double the plays. They had 3.41 yards per play. I will tell you, um, the like the strip sack, I gave them the minus nine because it happened nine yards deep. The the one interception that was on a first down, that wasn't the Minka Fitzpatrick one, it was a different one. I gave them zero yards because they didn't complete the pass to their thing. I didn't give them a negative, positive, anything like that. I just said zero. Just wanted to know how I worked that out. So they so they averaged 3.41 yards um, in, in the first half. In the second half, they ran 20 first down plays for 77 yards. So the, so the Bengals got a little bit better, but 3.85 yards per first down in the second half. And in overtime, they ran six for 31 yards, which was 5.17 yards per play. And you're like, oh, they jumped up to five. Still not as good as the Steelers, 5.57. Um, but the, the, the difference there, let's say, just look at the Bengals overtime. Okay. They had a negative play. They had a negative one. On, on, on a run play, but their, their other, and they had a zero, but then their other ones were 10, seven, nine, six. That's the kind of stuff you want to see from the Steelers offense, those kinds of yardages going on. But when you break it all down for the Bengals, they had negative plays on six of their 43 offensive plays, offensive first down plays. They had zero yards on 12. So that was eight, Team plays on first down of where they had either no yards or negative yards. That's a great job by the defense. And another five where they gained two yards or less. So 23 of their 43, 53.4% were, 
were of were for of two yards or less. And you're like, that's really good. Problem is with the Steelers offense, they were 16 of 24. That was two yards or less. That was 66.7%. Whoo, man, that was a lot to say there. I've still got some more that I want to do from this game. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take the break now because when we come back is when I'm ultimately going to go into a couple other stats from this game that I really wanted to break down where it where it it's some specific plays and how they should have possibly played out. I don't have as much to go into with next week because there's only been one game. So that's why we'll do both those in the second half. Stick around. Hopefully you you stay with me during the break and we'll be right back. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, thanks for staying with me. I've got some interesting stuff to talk about. You want to break down this game a little bit? I'm looking at some of the numbers of some of these plays. Now, the one thing someone might ask me about, it was it was asked of me on the um on in the live chat of the Scobro show, where I was asked about the challenge by Mike Tomlin on the very first drive. Uh, I was for it. I'm glad he did it because I think it was the right decision. I think Deontay Johnson, I'm pretty sure Deontay Johnson, had the first down. I just think it was one, it was a bad call by the official. And two, there was no angle to show that it was a bad call by the official. Um, that to me, that should have been a first down. And right there, right then, especially in the first half, if that would have been the first drive of the second half, I might, I might not have done it because of those second, to me, the second half timeouts are worth, you know, five times more than the first half ones because you know, you like to have a timeouts in the first at the end of the first half if you need to try to score. But when you're talking about needing to have to score because it's the end of the game, that takes it to a whole new level. But that's just me. So here's some plays I wanted to look at. In the third quarter, with four minutes and 41 seconds remaining in the quarter, the Cincinnati Bengals scored a touchdown. So just under five minutes left in, in the third quarter. They, that made the score... 17 to 12. And instead of going for the extra point to make it 17 to 13, they went for a two point conversion. Now, some analytics say something, some say the other. I'm of the mind of Coach Tomlin of it's a combination of, of analytics and understanding the flow of the game. To me, I wouldn't have done that there. I don't think Coach Tomlin would have done that there. To me, the only reason that decision was made, not the only, but the, 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 yeah, I don't want to say the only. How do I want to, what word am I looking for? The largest contributing factor to that decision might have been the long snapper. It's like, oh, do we want to go for two and cut it to three? Or do we want to just kick the extra point? To me, you know what might have been good there in a time where it wasn't quite as important, given that, given that long snapper some confidence where it's not the, it's not a snap at the very end of the game to win it or anything like that. That might have not have been a bad situation um, to do that there. But instead, they went for two and they got it. To me, that if you don't get that there, 
Then the Steelers add a field goal. Instead of chasing seven, you're chasing eight. Then you have to have the two-point conversion with another score and everything else. The fact that they got it worked for them. I I thought that was a little bit off. I would not want um, Coach Tomlin making that decision in the same boat. You may disagree with me. I'm if it was to tie the game, it might have even been a little bit more questionable, but you're talking about 19 minutes and 41 seconds remaining in the game. You're talking about having a, many more possessions coming on. Do you, how, how important was it to get it? How important was it to get the game down to three points at that moment? Um, but also with no long snapper, I, I think that was the biggest determining factor. So there's that play. Now let's move into the fourth quarter. Okay. With eight minutes and 23 seconds remaining. In the game. Okay, 823, more than half the quarter. The Cincinnati Bengals were faced with a fourth and six at the Steelers' 36-yard line, trailing by six points because the Pittsburgh Steelers had already kicked another field goal after the last one we talked about. Down six points. With eight minutes and 23 seconds, what do you do there? 36-yard line. That puts it at a 54-yard field goal. And to me, this is kind of what tells you why the Bengals went for that two-point conversion. I don't know that they were completely confident in being able to, to, to hit the field goal because of the snapper. They had already hit a 59-yarder earlier in the game. So it wasn't like it was, it was a kicker issue. I was really surprised because I didn't know at the time that their, that, that their holder, holder, not holder, their snapper was injured. I'm like, I actually said I was watching the game with Jeff Hartman. I said, Jeff, I'm surprised they're not going for this. It's like, oh, we, they're down six. I'm like, yeah, but you're going to get the ball again. You need to – you bring it to within three. Then if you give up a field goal, you're still right back to six and you're and you're all right. The only thing you can't do is give up a touchdown. But you didn't have to have the touchdown right then. They went for it. It ended up being an interception. Um and that interception actually did cost the Steelers 13 yards. But you know what? I'm, I want Akella Witherspoon to go get that ball every time. All right. So then they did that. The Steelers had to punt, everything else. So I was kind of a little bit thought that was interesting. With one minute and 56 seconds remaining in the game, 156, the, the, so this was coming out of the two-minute warning. The Bengals were forced with a fourth and two from the two-yard line. And they went for it. I think that if they would not have completed, um, well, they, it was a shovel pass. If that shovel pass, if that if that would have been in completion and they would have had the two-minute warning, well, they would have needed more time outside the two-minute warning. So once again, I'm, I don't know what I'm saying. Because you, if, if I feel that if, if there had been another 20 seconds and they felt like they could have kicked the field goal and had the two-minute warning and their two timeouts, they might have kicked the field goal there and said, we're going to stop them, we're going to get it back, and that way um, we're, we're within that field goal. But they didn't. That's what they were. To me, if they had one more timeout, that might have changed what they did. Or if they would have had 20 more seconds and had the two-minute warning for a timeout, that could have changed what you did. This is why the numbers matter. This is why the numbers matter. So here's the even bigger play. Well, so the Steelers get the stop on fourth down. Um, then there was the, the the penalty because I was even saying to to Jeff Hartman, I'm like, uh, if they get this ball on the two yard line and they can't gain any yards in three plays, don't punt from the end zone. Do not punt from the end zone. Take the safety. 
Okay, this is a number, another numbers game. This is why I want to talk about that. If the Steelers would have been really back up against it, where they couldn't have a full, um, a full snap in order, you know, the, the typical length for Presley Harvin to, to catch the ball to punt it. I say take the safety. And the reason I say take the safety is at that point, six points and four points did not seem to matter. Now, why was I wrong? Because the Steelers, how often do you give up the touchdown and block the extra point? See, if they would have taken the safety, the six points would have taken the lead and the, the extra point would not have mattered. So I would have said, I would have screamed, take the safety, get your, get more spaced and a free kick. But also, if you're talking about a free kick from the 25, the last time Presley Harvard had one of them, he stuck the other team inside the 20 in the preseason. So that would have been more of a field position. Uh, thought process there. So there would have been pros and cons with that one. And I would have had no problem taking the safety. It didn't work out that way. The 15-yard penalty gave them the room. But what really cost the Steelers, the, one of the most costly plays for the Steelers, was the injury to Najee Harris. The injury to Najee Harris because um, the, the Steelers took the snap with a minute 51 left. And and then the play was over with a minute 44 left. So there was a minute 44 left. Let's break that out. I had said a minute 51, but when the play was over, it was a minute 44. And what initially happened was the Bengals took a timeout. But then they didn't get charged that timeout because the injury to Najee Harris got a timeout charged to the Steelers. If, if there's no injury there, let's say Najee can get up and hobble off the field. That means that the Bengals use a timeout there at 144. Okay. It didn't matter because the next, you know, the next play was at 144. Then you're talking about the Steelers went for a, for a pass on second down. Some people were upset that they went for the pass. The Bengals were going to be able to keep the clock from moving, whether they had an extra timeout at the end or not. So to me, as soon as you knew that they could stop the clock with their timeouts without you, chewing up a significant amount of time, the goal is a first down more than making them use a timeout. Yes, would it be nice for them to have one less timeout for that last drive? Absolutely. But to me, if you weren't saving another quote-unquote 38 seconds, then it wasn't worth it. And I don't mind them going for that. They tried to go for a, you want to go with a high percentage pass. And even with that, they didn't get it and trying to get it to somewhere in space. So the way that would have played out, if that, if that, if the Steelers wouldn't have had to use that, use that, um, timeout, then it would have had to be charged to the Bengals. To me, then on second down, they wouldn't have, they, they wouldn't have thrown the pass. They probably would have ran the ball. So let's say they run it for they run it for no gain. Okay, so they run it for no gain. So the bottom line is everything, every way, everything that it works where where it works down. Presley Harvin punted the ball with a minute thirty six left. If they would have had that extra play in there, or the Steelers, you know, where they could have run down the clock, I'm not going to say forty seconds. I'm going to say thirty eight because you run it down to about two. That means that they would have, let's just assume everything else would have happened the way that it did. Instead of an incompletion, it was a run for no gain. Same thing happens on third down. Presley Harvin, of course, this is a this is a big assumption. For all we know, the Steelers could have fumbled on second down. So I'm not saying I'm not saying that that uh that, 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 that this was bad. I'm just saying that, you know, we, we love how it turned out, but 
this is how it would have been otherwise. And the difference of having those timeouts or whatnot is that instead Cincinnati would have had the ball on their own 40 with 49 seconds left instead of a minute, 20 seconds. 27. So they had 49 seconds and no timeouts instead of a minute 27. That means they're probably going to have to push the ball a little bit more. Maybe the Steelers could get a, could, you know, could get a takeaway, something like that. Um, when they didn't, you know, having those time, having a timeout, you know, if you take a sack that you have a timeout in your back pocket, that change, if you don't have that, that changes the way it works. A lot of things would have been different, but that just goes to show you one little thing. That's just an injury an injury and how it changed the numbers of the clock. It's a big numbers game when you get into the end of these games. And that's why I love it so much. Um, I got, I got two more. I want to run past you real quick before we look the next week. And that was in overtime with three minutes and 37 seconds remaining. The, the Bengals went for a 29 yard field goal and they missed it. They went for it on third down. It was third and seven on the Steelers 11. The question is, Should they have used third down to take a shot in the end zone? Or should they have kicked it when they did? Well, the reason they kicked it when they did is if something went wrong, they could do the play over again. Well, something did go wrong. The mistake they made was still kicking the ball. All right. I talked about this with my brother on Scobro because someone asked about it. So the ball was at the 11. When the high snap comes, if the holder decides – Let's try this again and just curls up on the ball right there. He could have rolled forward until he got touched, but let's just say that he didn't. Just assume he didn't. If he just curled up on the ball right there, you had another eight yards. So instead of a 29-yard field goal, you're talking about a 37-yard field goal, which is still barely more than an extra point. So... Or right around an extra point. Yeah, because it... Well, hold on. Yeah, it had been, it had been barely more than a, an extra point. So to me... That could have been a heads-up play to say, you know what, I know it's not going to be as close. Or if the kicker just knew everything was off, he could have just come up and not even kicked the ball. He could have ran up to it and just moved his foot to the side, not kicked it, fall on the ball. It's still their ball for fourth down. That would have been crazy, but that's one of those things that are hard to think of in that moment. Um, But that was an interesting play because they kicked that on third down. So they could have had another shot at the end zone, or they could have taken another shot at the field goal if they actually didn't put foot to ball. Um, And then the very last one was to think of that was just kind of crazy. And that is the, the sacks, the strip sack by Arthur Mollette. Thank goodness for the rule that it has to be the, the, the quarterback or the player that fumbled the ball that that advances it. And good thing that the officials got that right because they could have just screwed the screwed it up and tried to go quick and and spotted the ball. I, I don't know exactly where they would have spotted the ball. I'm going to assume that would have been right back to the line of scrimmage because he was right back to the same to the same thing. If it wasn't for that sack, let's say Burrow throws that away. Or let's say the rule doesn't happen and, and he gets to advance that up to there. Instead of punting from the 50 yard line they would have had a shot at a field goal from the 38-yard line. That equates to a 56-yarder. McPherson already hit a 59-yarder. If if they get a good snap, there's a good chance they could have possibly won the game and the Steelers didn't even get it back. These are just – I love doing some of these things. I don't always have time to do them because of breaking down all the numbers moving forward. But that's just one of those things to look at these individual numbers, how it played out, what the call was, how it would have changed things, and things of that nature. Because that's who I am. That's the kind of guy I am. I hope you enjoyed that. Now, we don't have very much time left. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to now talk about the Steelers and Patriots. 
And all I'm going to do is I'm going to give you some stats from week one to have an idea of where what these teams are coming in from. All right. For example, and I'm going to give it both for the team and their opponents. So you can look at it offensively and defensively. For example, if you look at completion percentage, the Steelers in week one completed 55.3% of their passes. The New England Patriots completed 70% of their passes. That's the kind of numbers the Steelers were putting up the preseason. So that's one thing to, to realize. But the Steelers held their opponent to 62.3%, and the Patriots held their opponent to 69.7%. They were extremely close, both of theirs. So something's probably going to give there a little bit where someone's going to improve, or some, in whether one team's offense or the other team's defense, or, or what they do. So that's why I'm giving you some of these numbers to realize. New England's coming in with a, you know, completing 70% of their passes. Um, you know, granted, just in one game. Okay, they're kind of on the on the not exactly the opposite side of the spectrum here, but the Pittsburgh Steelers were only sacked one time in week one while they sacked their opponent seven times. So, this, like I said, the Steelers are tied for the league lead in sacks. New England, they were sacked once. No, oh, sorry, I read the wrong column. They were sacked twice. And they got three sacks against the Dolphins. So both of these teams are, are used to sacking the quarterback more than they're getting sacked after one week. But the Steelers, there's much more discrepancy there. Okay, if you look at the pass yardage, my goodness, it is almost identical. The Steelers passed for 192 yards. The Patriots passed for 193 yards. Now, granted, the Steelers had an extra 10 minutes, but oh well. All right. That's interesting. But if you look at their opponent's passing yards, the Steelers gave up 299 passing yards. This is this is in all taking into account the sacks as well. And the Patriots uh, gave up 242 passing yards. So, yeah, the Steelers gave up 50, 57 more yards, but, oh, you know, overtime. Remember that. Okay? And then rushing. When it comes to, to, to rushing, I didn't look at your yardage. I looked at yards per carry because it really depended on how much you, you, you went to it. The Steelers had 3.4 yards per carry, although it was only like 2.3 was from the running backs. Uh, it was Chase Claypool was the leading rusher. But still, 3.4 yards per rush. The Patriots had 3.5 yards per rush. Very close. Their opponents rushing, the Steelers gave, only gave up 3.9 yards per rush. But New England only gave up 2.8 yards per rush. So those are two things to remember with that as well, just to give you a comparison. Here's the big discrepancy. The Steelers did not turn the ball over and had five takeaways. New England turned the ball over three times and had no takeaways. So the Steelers come in plus five. New England comes in minus three. The question is, is that are there are there are the pluses going to get more plus? The minus is going to get more minus? Or, there, or is it going to even out a little bit more? That's what Sunday's for. Can't wait. Um, the Steelers, they scored 23 points and surrendered 20 points. New England scored seven points and, and surrendered 20 points. So, uh, yeah, those two teams are tied for the season when it comes to points surrendered per game. Um, and I said the Steelers scored 23 points. That wasn't the offense. That was just in total, because remember, they had the defensive touchdown. So that's just a little bit of the numbers coming in. They don't really matter much because you have one game you're looking at. 
the opponents you were facing weigh so heavy in that when it's just one a one game sample size. But I figured I might as well give you some good numbers and some good stats there. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you're checking out our entire network of podcasts. I mean, there was um a, a Know Your Enemy last night. If you haven't already caught that, make sure you get that one to to learn a little bit more about what's going on uh, up, up there with with that team up north. Um, who knows? Maybe even we're able to catch it in the live chat. Um, and then. After this one, don't miss what Yin's, are, what, what Yin's talking about because, yeah, that's a fun show. And next Thursday, I don't think they're going to have a show during their regular time because we also have to run my new show, which is a real short one, which is Last Minute Thoughts. Uh, there'll be one this Sunday before the game um, for you to check that out. That's a that's a that's roughly a 10-minute show just to kind of give a little last-minute rundown uh, before the Steelers uh, play that day. But next week, in, for what Yin's talking about, they're going to be going live as the post uh, as the post game show because of the because of being a Thursday night and it being so late and they're West Coast guys so they're going to take over that for us with all the wor- other work that uh, us East Coast guys have to do that late at night so that's going to be fun to look for next week but honestly for this week make sure you're checking out what you can talk about after this one and check out all the podcasts just at least at least some of them. at least I recommend checking out every podcast. At least once, and I'd say probably twice. Maybe get another sample. Sometimes there might be one. Oh, I wasn't too big on that one. And then you catch it again like, oh, my goodness, that one's really great. Um, another one I want to tell you because it's a change because they're not live on YouTube anymore is We Run the North. That's a fun show uh, with Tape Boys uh, doing that show. That show has been is during the season. It's going to be a little bit different with next week because of the Thursday game. I don't know what it's going to be. But for this week, you should be able to catch that on Saturday uh, on our audio-only network. And, of course, make sure you're checking out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. We ha- continue to have stuff leading up to this big matchup in Pittsburgh against the Patriots. The first time we're getting one without Ben and or Brady in a very long time, which I know that's a fan thing. Coach Tomlin completely dismissed that. And I don't blame him, you know, maybe because it's not them. Maybe they do have to deal with a player uh, urinating down their leg. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that in there since Coach Tomlin said it on Tuesday. If you don't know what I'm talking about, check out Coach Tomlin's recap podcast that I did on Tuesday. Thank you so much, Nerds of Steel. I hope you enjoyed these numbers. I'm, I'm ready to get into this routine of the, of the regular season, but uh, just excited about what these Steelers are doing right now. Even though, you know, you got the injury bug a little bit, but hopefully all, you know, not everything's lost. It'll be this team shows that they can still do things um, for the time being. I'm really excited to see how this is going to work on Sunday. So once again, I always say thanks for joining me and thanks for geeking out with me. We'll see you next week.